0: i right.
1: believes that this evening amen another song i didn't know but i'm gonna learn (laughs) wonderful the battle is the lord's amen thank you musicians god bless you so nice to be back together here once again this evening and hopefully we didn't say anything that was if we say anything that is not what's being taught here just allow it to our ignorance we're not trying to cause trouble we just want to try to encourage um, however we can and put our shoulder behind the wheel of the work that God is doing here in the body. And um, you're a, a, just a wonderful group of believers to speak to. And uh, this morning I was having trouble pulling over, you know, it's like a, uh, driving on, a, we have a lot of mountains where we live and you get on these one lane roads and and you start saying, okay, I'm going to pull over. But you got to find a place to pull over, right? (laughs) And uh, so I'm not lying when I say I'm going to pull over. I just haven't found a place to pull over, (laughs) right? But when you're pulling on the Word like that, it just, uh, you know, uh, we just pull it right on out. I believe it's supposed to be that way. I believe that it's a body ministry, a body move, that, you know, there's no big I's or little U's. We all have our place, our position, and we just want to do it faithfully as best we can. Serving the rest of the body and God gets the glory. <laughs> amen. So I don't recall if I brought greetings from my wife, but I better do that real quick in case she happens to see this and she'll say, Did you greet them? I could say yes. Uh, from my wife and also from our, our fellowship, Love Divine Fellowship in Tucson. Amen. Amen. So I'm uh, a little nervous again here tonight. I've got a thought on my, just a real simple thought to. Uh, once again to bring, but I also want to share just a little of my personal testimony because um, we are written epistles, right? I mean, God is writing, uh, living out his word in, in, our, in our lives, right? We're overcoming by the word of our testimony. He gives us the word and then that word produces a testimony. It's the, and you can say, this is that, right? <laughs> If you wonder what it is, this is that. You know, people say, well, what is the message? You can start saying, this is that, right? People squawking and arguing about it and debating. No, this is that. You're seeing it being lived out in a many-member body. That's what it is, right? Praise the Lord. I'd like to read from uh, Psalm chapter 23, and we'll read the first six, six verses. And um, just a simple thought, like I said, here tonight. And maybe, maybe we'll do it like this. I'll read the first verse, you read the second, I'll read the third. And that'd be okay? A Psalm of David, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cut runneth over. What a positive testimony! And the Lord had His blessing to the reading of the word. If we could just bow our heads for a moment, Father, as we approach You once again, Lord, we ask that You'd forgive us, Lord, of our mistakes, our failures, our slowness of heart. At, at times, Lord, we, we we do make mistakes. We don't. It's not our desire. It's not our our motive or our objective. But Lord, we're trusting in You tonight, and we don't want anything to be in the way, Lord. So. Uh, we just uh, we humble ourselves before you, Lord, and we just ask that you'd take control of, of each one from the pulpit to the back door, and Lord, that you would accomplish what you want done in this service, and that you would be glorified, that you would be lifted up, Lord, and that your, your work, that your purpose and your plan would be furthered, Lord, as, as we all surrender to you as a body this evening. I pray that your blessings be upon each and every one, Lord, that you bless your word as it goes forth. And Father, uh, as we go out these doors, uh, may may this word be written in our lives. May it be lived out, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, Amen. 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 You may be seated. So I want to title the thought here tonight, Enforcing the Claims of God. Enforcing the Claims of God. And I'd like to read another portion from the Psalms, if you don't mind, from Psalm chapter 24, we'll read verses 7 to 10. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? (laughs) The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He's mighty, friends. (laughs) Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. And then one more, Psalm chapter 27, verse 1. A psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? <laughs> Hallelujah. If the Lord's with you, who can be against you tonight, friends? So, as sons and daughters of Almighty God, we have been placed in a position that the Lord has chosen to place us in. We didn't write the plan of redemption. We didn't write the play. We didn't write out the parts. We didn't raise our hand and say, God, I want you to send me down to the earth, and I want to fulfill this part or that part. We had no say so. We We, couldn't have, we were in his thinking, so we couldn't have communicated that anyway. This is his plan. Amen. And his plan is good. His, his plan is right. And with that position that God uh, has given us comes God given authority to walk in it. Because, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than for somebody to give you a position with no authority. What would be the point of it, right? But God gives you a position and then He gives you everything that you need to go along with that. He fully equips you for it, He gives you the authority to go along with it. So uh, it's a position of His choosing and He makes the rules. And he can do whatever it is that he wants to do. We we believe that what he does is marvelous, that his ways are marvelous, that they're beyond comprehension. Everything he does is good. So who can stand in his way is my question tonight. Who can stop him? He wrote out the entire drama of redemption from from cover to cover, from beginning to end, before he ever spoke it, and before anything ever came into being, and he chose the actors, and he chose the parts that would be played out, and he made all the provisions for every part, and made sure that everything would be in place for when this actor's on the stage, when that actor's on the stage, and so it's, it, it's extremely important for that we as sons and daughters of God, that we know what our rights are, and, and what has been given to us, what God has equipped us with for the part that he's called us to play. And we need to be sure that we are getting that understanding from God, (laughs) once again thinking about these thoughts, that we're not entertaining other thoughts, that the thoughts come from God and not from Satan or from anyone else. So we thank God for the ministering gifts that were sent to bring us to maturity by the present truth, and we thank God most of all for the gift of eternal life, which he alone gives. (laughs) Now each of us are charged, friends, to make our calling and our election sure. And we need to know who we are, and we need to know what belongs to us, and we need to know what our rights are as as citizens of this new kingdom, as Christians. Amen? And if we fail to recognize the authority that comes with our position in Christ, well, we will never exercise that authority, which is given to each and every one of us to enforce the claims of God in our lives. Now, we don't start out knowing these things. I understand there was a marvelous uh, message that was brought on Wednesday where uh, uh, Brother Ed was showing how it comes in, in different levels. I didn't know that he'd brought that, but he was sharing a little bit on the way over here. And, and that's exactly right, friends. We don't... We, You know, we'd like to have a magic wand waved over us and we're instant Christians and we're mature and everything that we're doing is, you know, uh, uh, perfect and amen and amen, but God doesn't work that way. We grow into these things and we come, we mature into it and we get it at a greater and greater level uh, 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 until we come to full maturity. So the Old Testament and the New Testament, they are just full of claims that our Lord has made on our behalf. The Old Testament declared uh, uh, what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would achieve when he came to the earth in a body of flesh uh, to play the part as our, or not just to play the part, but as our near kinsman. And the Old Testament prophets, they made claims on his behalf, and he became the fulfillment of all the things that they claimed. Everything that they spoke concerning him, he was the fulfillment of it. I hope you're starting to see a little pattern here. And Jesus personally instructs us in the New Testament on what you and I are entitled to as born again citizens of the kingdom of heaven. What our rights are, what belongs to us. And then he tells us how to enforce the claims that he has already made on our behalf. But he's leaving it to us to enforce them. He's made the claims. We're the ones that back it up. Amen? He fully paid the price for us to be able to walk in those claims. And Calvary left nothing unpaid. Everything's paid, right? And all of the debts were paid off by the shedding of the lamb's blood on Calvary. But if there's nobody to enforce those claims here on the earth... Well, then Satan and his angels, they go on squatting on land that doesn't belong to them. And that's the problem. They're, they're bluffing, they're squatting. They don't own the land. It doesn't belong to them. It never was their position. But man, man wasn't able to occupy that position until a kinsman paid the price so that man could now come back into that position. But man has to come back in that position. We have to take... What, God, what has been purchased for us, right? And we have to claim it, and we have to enforce it. We have to tell the devils to leave. So our near kinsmen's declarations or claims, I, I, what I love about it so much is that they're, they don't leave any gray areas. <laughs> They're not maybes, or I hope so, or, or, you know, on a full moon and if you have your fingers crossed, or, uh, they are direct and they are to the point. Amen. Ask, and it shall be given unto you, right? Seek, and you shall find. If you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart, you shall have. What it is that you, if two or more agree concerning anything, right? They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, they shall cast out devils. (laughs) Repent, be baptized. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Friends, these are amen and amen. Resist the devil and he shall flee. Is there any sick amongst you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall, somebody say shall, shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if you have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen and amen and amen. So these are all claims that are made for the kingdom of heaven. And they're made against the kingdom of the devil. But somebody has to stand up in the kingdom and enforce those claims. Somebody has to speak it in this hour. Somebody has to stand there and resist that devil and enforce those claims. So we know that there are two kingdoms that are clashing on the earth right now, and we know that hell is actually spilling out into this dimension we're seeing, we're seeing uh, previews of what's going to take place during the tribulation period. We know that death is in the land, and we know that hell is following after death, but heaven is also pouring out. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen? So we are living uh, according, as Brother Brandon put it, we're living according to the law of contrast, and it's important that we recognize Satan and his tactics, and it's also important that we recognize what God's doing. Right. So if the prophecies concerning the false church and Satan's work, if those things are coming to pass exactly right, then what about the prophecies concerning the true church of the living God? Are those also coming to pass exactly right? Both kingdoms need flesh in order to manifest here on the earth, right? If Satan can get a hold of flesh, well then how about God? Satan is an imitator, he doesn't do anything originally. He sees what God's doing and then he brings a perverted version of it, right? So what is our part in all of this? Who's on the Lord's side tonight? <laughs> we as a body of Christ, friends, that, that are on the earth today, we have been called and we have been placed here in this hour to enforce heaven's claims and to enforce what was accomplished at Calvary. To take that stand. Listen to this. In restoration of the bride tree, Brother Brown said, if Satan has robbed you of the privilege of uh, being a son or daughter of God, we have a right this morning by the Holy Spirit to enforce the claim of God. Bring them back. If he's afflicted you and made you sick, we have a right before God to enforce the laws of God. By his stripes we are healed. Amen. Bring them back. Turn, Turn them loose. You're you're taking him out yonder to death, and we claim him, bring him back. Right. Now that's enforcement, he says. Restore it back to its natural condition again. A man's sick, a baby sick, a woman sick, see, they're out of their natural condition. Then we have a right to enforce our claim. He says, not our claim, it's, it's our claim because God has given it to us. By his stripes, we are healed. He was wounded for our transgressions. With his stripes, we were healed. Now, we have a right to enforce that law. And the lawgiver, the Holy Spirit himself, is here. The agent of God to see that it's done that way. Amen. Now, the only way he can work is when you let him work. See, you got to believe it. And the church says, (laughs) amen. So the first step is to recognize what rights that we have as the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And then you need to get out of your mind because these are tricks of the devil. You need to get out of your mind whether you think you deserve it or not or whether you're worthy or not. Let's just settle that tonight, okay? You don't deserve it and you're not worthy. So what? What's that have to do with anything? It's not based on me, it's based on him. He's the worthy one. This is what he has done for us. So we need to settle those questions once and for all because the devil will just run us ragged with those kind of uh, 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 immaterial kind of questions. Those questions are not relevant. The first citizen of this new kingdom is none other than the first of the God race and he told us that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Through his death, he came to destroy him who held power of death, even the devil. How many you knows that? He conquered death at the cross, but he does not put it under his feet. The scripture says that he's, he's, uh, he's conquered everything, but he doesn't put it underneath his feet until the end of the last age because death is still, it, it's only a vehicle for bringing his children home. Death is a limousine Right now, it's a limousine service for when your time is here, when, when you fulfilled your purpose here on the earth, God has to take you off the scene. So death is just a transport vehicle, but it has no power over you. So he tells us, the works that I do, shall you do also. He did the works of his Father who sent him, and then he says, I will do these very same works again in you that my Father may be glorified again. Now, I want to stop here for just a moment. Uh, You probably noticed earlier we're using the word shall, shall, right, S-H-A, double hockey sticks. I'm in the Norse, so I can talk about that, right? If I said that in Tucson, they'd stare at me, what's a hockey stick? Shall versus will. Now, I I worked on a a lot of uh, government contracts, government programs, they'd they'd send you a specification and... uh, they'd, they'd uh, send you a request for a quote, an RFQ. So you're supposed to look at this specification, and you're supposed to come up with some kind of an estimate. First of all, do I want to do this job or not? And then you're supposed to come up with some kind of an estimate of what it would take to complete that, right? And the way that these things are set up, so I would get my, when I, when I get one of these things, I get the spec. I'd get my highlighter out and everywhere the word shall showed up, I'd highlight it. I'd also highlight where the word will showed up. But in the English language, will is a softer word than shall. Okay, shall means you got to do it. Shall means there's no exceptions. No, we're not going to bypass this. No, don't just do your best. If you can't do this, you're done. Not only do you have to do it, you have to prove it. They're not going to just take your word for it, right? So if they say it's got to meet this certain requirement and it's got to meet it at 50,000 feet and it's got to meet it at ground and uh, it's got to meet it under this pressure and in salt fog and uh, vibration environment, transportation shock, whatever it might be, humidity, all these different conditions, uh, uh, radio interference, you've got to prove it. They're not going to just take your word for it. So we would highlight the word shall because that's money there. Uh, Right? You're not going to get paid if it doesn't do this. And it's going to cost you something to prove it. And you have to prove it. And you got to prove it in a qualification before witnesses. The word will is it'd be nice if you could do this. But if it's too impossible, okay, we can talk about it. Maybe not on this release, maybe on a a future one, but will is a softer word. Shall means you gotta do it. Shall is a very strong word, it's definite. So this word shows up, they shall recover. They shall do this, they shall do that. Every bit of that has been proven. There's not a one of those things that hasn't been demonstrated and proven to be the truth. So there's not a question at all of whether these requirements have been met. Oh, we are so blessed, friends. We are so blessed. We didn't know who the Jesus of the Bible was uh, because it just got so mixed up over the over the the, the, the the church ages. So we needed him to come on the scene once again and show us who the true Jesus of the Bible is and show us what he meant by what he said. And And the way he did that was by doing exactly what he said he was going to do. If it said shall, he did it. Right? It ought to, it ought to stop all the argument. He's demonstrated it. He's proven it. Now why do you suppose he would prove all that now I'm not picking on anybody. I, I, we just need to come all the way, right? For some people, they stopped and they said, "Well, you know, it was all proven in the prophet, and it's all in the prophet, and you know, it's all we got to wait for him, and this and that and the other, because it's that only applies to the prophet." Well, what would be the point in that? It had to be brought through that office, and it had to be proven and demonstrated so that the rest of the body right. could allow him to do the very same thing. But we had to see it. Yes. Brother Brown said every generation needs to see the supernatural. Yes. Right? Every generation needs, needs their own witness. Yes. Come on, friends. Yes. We're, not, we're not running past our messenger. We're not, don't get nervous about that. Yes. We gotta know the, the one that he introduced us to. Yes. We gotta know him personally. We gotta believe. I wasn't I was I was a baby when things were being done in the 60s and 50s. I wasn't even born in the 50s. I believe those things took place, right? I'm thankful that we got recordings of it, right? But I wanna see that now. I wanna see what was done, and that's the whole point. I can believe that because it was proven. All the denominations are saying this, that, and the other, and it's all up for a debate and a argument, but we had it vindicated. We had it proven. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, this message is over-vindicated. It is more proven. God has proven his word more in this age than he did 2,000 years ago because the very same one did it over a bigger period of time, and he did it all over the world. Oh, it's beyond question. It's it's vindicated. How many believes that? So God's word is sure, and God's word cannot fail, and his word will not return unto him void. It will accomplish what he set it out to do. So we need to fully recognize that all of these claims that were made 2,000 years ago, they are of no consequence unless there are those on the earth that will enforce these claims there are those that are going to just stand and say, that's what he said, amen. Be it unto me according to thy word. <laughs> so if you've been placed here to uh, enforce the claims of Calvary, what a privilege. God needs somebody to work through, friends. You are a betting ground for his word. Right? Right? <laughs> And we might get excited about the thought, and I'm not, I'm not belittling this at all, believe me, but we might get excited about the thought of a visitation of an angel. Uh, but who has more authority on the earth tonight, an angel or a son or daughter of God? Oh, friends. <laughs> you want to talk to God tonight? Just make the call. God could be talking to Gabriel. God could be talking to Wormwood. God could be talking to this one or that one. All of a sudden the phone rings and he looks over and he says, excuse me, hold on, we'll finish this conversation. My son's calling. My daughter's on the phone. I gotta take this call. Come on, friends. Hallelujah. So when a son on the earth speaks, all heaven is listening. And so is hell. Both are waiting for our declaration. What say you? What is our confession in this day? What are we afraid of? We need to get that fear out of the people. Right? We need to quit receiving the thoughts of our enemy and just receive the thoughts of God. We read this this morning, but it ties right in. Just I'm going to go into it again, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For, I love this, you have not received the spirit of bondage, notice this, again, we had a spirit of bondage. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. Amen. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Not we're trying to be, not we're hoping to be, not we're morphing into, we are the children of God. So there's such a rest that comes with knowing him and knowing who you are, what your relationship is with him. I know this is a very elementary, but sometimes it's good to just go over this ground again. We got young people, we got another generation that's coming up and they got to hear it too, right? In the Psalms, David is prophesied. And some of these the psalms are prophesying concerning Christ and his coming in bridegroom form. And some of them are also speaking of his coming in bride form. They speak of what is in your and my heart today. Psalm 27, verse one, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and he's my salvation. It has to be personal. He's my light. I'm not arguing whether he's Brother Ed's light or Brother Mike's right or light or or somebody else, but he's my light. Yeah. Right? And he's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Oh, if we could just get the fear out of the people. The Lord is the strength of my life. Without him I have no strength. But his strength is made perfect in me. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, and my foes come against me, come upon me to eat up my flesh, that's cancer, that's, uh, you know, spirits uh, 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 coming to destroy your flesh, to eat up your flesh, right? They stumbled and fell. They stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me. There's a whole army around you. Thousands of demons. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Where is the house of the Lord tonight? It's not this building, I'm looking at it. In that day, you'll know that I am in you, and you in me, and I in the Father. This is that day. To behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Now, David didn't do that. That's David prophesying of what our desire is in this hour. This is your prayer, that David was anointed to pray, that David was under that unction, but it's really you that that he's... that is prophesying about, you are that temple. Know ye not, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. For in the time of trouble, people talk about a time of trouble that's coming, there's trouble right now. There's trouble on every side. We know that it'll get worse, but the the very worst part of it, I won't be here for it. (laughs) Right? For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Well, How did he hide me in his pavilion? Well, somehow he hid me in me. I'm in him, but he's in me. But I'm hidden from the devil. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times we equip the devil to give us a hard time. A lot of times the devil will throw darts and we'll go, ow, ooch, each. right? The devil doesn't know whether that's gonna work or not. But when you react, he's like, aha, okay. I, I guess this is gonna work, You ought to ignore that devil, right? We don't have to tell him everything that we're going through, right? He doesn't, oh friends, if you are sealed away in Christ Jesus, the devil can't get to you. The fact of the matter is, he doesn't know where you are. You are hidden. You are hidden in Christ Jesus. All he sees is your Savior. All he sees is your Redeemer. And he knows he can't pass that blood veil. He knows that that's off limits. So as long as we keep our mouth shut and let him speak. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He's hidden you in the secret. You are the secret. Hallelujah. He shall set me upon a rock. That's what this message is doing for us. We are he's set us upon the full restored and revealed word. Right. right? Everything around us is shaking. Everything around us is falling. Everything around us is uncertain. Everything's fallen. But that rock that you're standing on is unmovable and unshakable. So we need to stand up against our adversary of fear and fear not whom shall I fear. Now friends, that's not putting confidence in us. It's our is in him. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Friends, I feel sorry for anybody that gets in a tangle with him because he says that's my property. I've paid the price for you. I've called you. I've called you by name. You didn't even know what your name was. I named you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Adam had dominion over this earth. He named the creatures. Christ, your Redeemer, he names you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. For I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. Yeah. Amen. Who's going to take, take you from him? Yeah. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Hallelujah. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. That's the God we serve tonight. For I am the Lord, thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, and Seba for thee. He's still the I am tonight. (laughs) Hallelujah. He's Jehovah's Savior. (laughs) Blessed be the name of the Lord. Continuing on with Revelation chapter 8, verse 28 here for a moment. And we know that all things work together. All things. Somebody say all things. I love these words. There's no gray area in it. There's no maybe or, sh- you know, when I was, I'm, I'm not picking on the Baptist. I'm thankful that I had uh, uh, some religious training growing up. I'm thankful that we learned scripture. I'm thankful for the, the, the good things. I'll, I'll take the good things that were, uh, were brought to us, but I can remember the Wednesday night prayer meetings. The Wednesday night prayer meetings, so what do they call that? Is it uh, an eight and a half by 14? That's what, a legal sheet, I think? right? Uh, we would have a prayer list. It's an eight and a half inch by 14 inch. And it's, you know, pray for this and pray for that and pray for that. It, it, there's over a, a hundred something on the front. Then there's the back. And, and, the, and then s- the prayers that would go forth is, Lord, if you, you know, if you want to do this, uh, uh, please do it. But if not, we understand. You might as well just save that prayer, right? That's not even a prayer, you're not, you're not asking for anything, right? You're not sure. You don't know whether he's going to do it or not. So those lists just grew and grew and grew. And the lettering got smaller and smaller. Uh, it, it, it was discouraging to a young man, right? And, and you felt like, you know, saying the emperor is not wearing clothes. But you knew you'd get in trouble if you, if you brought up that fact that, you know, you, you, you'd have better luck playing the lottery. Well, there's no faith there. If you want to take him home, go ahead, but if not, then that's good too. All things work together for good. Listen, all things that happen to you are not good, but all things that happen to you work for good. How many knows that? All things work together for good to them that love God. How many love God tonight? Amen. To them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, Them he also called, whom he called, them he also justified, whom he justified, them he also glorified. So it's, he's, he's outlining it, it's all done in his thinking. It's got to be lived out, played out, but as far as he's concerned, it's done. Now here's where I wanted to get to. We didn't get to this this morning, but verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? So here's what he said. What say you? Come on, friends. What do you have to say in response to what he has said to you? If God be for us, come on. These are not nursery rhymes. These are not bedtime stories. This is the word of the Lord. If God be for us, who can be against us? We need to hold on to that. Uh, uh, The devil will make our situation look so bad, and I'm not making light of that, friends. He can make some situations look pretty bad. But we need to remind him, God's for me. I love him. So you can't stand in my way, devil. You can't stop this. You can go ahead and try to be against me, but God's for me. Somebody say, praise the Lord. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Friends, whatever, whatever is good, he's going to give it to you. Uh, sometimes he doesn't give us things because it wouldn't be good for us. But if, if, if it's good for us, he'll give it to us. Who shall, I oh, love this, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Now I want you to think about this for a moment. It is God that justifieth. How many believes that? Then why do we let the devil tell us whether we're justified or not? Why do we let the devil tell us, well, you're not good enough, or you did this, or you did that? Listen, devil, you don't get a say in this, right? If he said, I'm spotless, he's the one that's justifying me. He's the judge. In fact, he's the one that made the rules. You don't get to interpret whether the rules were followed or not. You didn't make the rules. He did. And he's the one that justifies. So if God justifies, why do we listen to that devil? Why do we listen to our own thoughts? (laughs) Things that are contrary to what God has already declared concerning you and I. Amen. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, who will separate us? He said, I'll be with you, even in you, until the end. So listen, friends, there's not a hair on your head tonight that the devil can touch without first getting permission from God. You say, but what about all the trials that I'm going through? What about them? God has confidence in you. We need to have confidence in him. We need to have confidence in his confidence in us. Not our confidence in us, his confidence in us. Right? Because he knows, listen closely, he knows there's a gene that's deposited down on the inside of you that was quickened when the living word came across your path and as we sang, you heard from your theophany. And he brooded over you, and he quickened you by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so if we had half as much confidence, I'm not, I'm not saying that, I, I don't want anybody, I, I, I'm, I'm putting myself right here with everybody else. If we have half the confidence in God's words today, as he has in what he has already placed in you, there wouldn't be a feeble one amongst us in this meeting. We're coming to that recognition. We're coming to that. We're growing into that. We're stepping forward into that. What shall we then say? It's time for us to speak. He's spoken. Now what do you have to say? It's your turn to speak. In fact, if we are the final voice, how will we be defeated? Because it's out of your own mouth. You're going to declare how this thing ends up. He yeah. said, well, it's not up to me. Well, you're just going to declare what he's already declared. You're going to say the same thing with revelation. Yeah. And the church says, <laughs> yeah. hallelujah. Everything that was in Christ has been given to us to use as needed. But we must take it and then enforce those claims that are made on our behalf. Somebody has to stand here on the earth and say, be it unto me. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that there was a Sister Hattie Wright? Someone that says that ain't nothing but the truth. You realize that if she hadn't have said that, if she'd have said something else, then her name would have been Sister Hattie Wrong. But she was Sister Hattie Wright. God made sure of that. He named her before she said the right thing. He says she's right. That's Sister Wright. <laughs> All she did was agree with the word. Hallelujah. Oh, help us, Lord. (laughs) Listen to this. This is one of my, you know, uh, uh, the children of Israel were told to eat the lamb, you know, in in haste and eat every part of it, Eat, eat the pertinence, you know, eat the hoof, eat every part of it, eat it in haste, don't pick at it. If we be honest tonight, we all have favorite parts. Right, Well, I'm a lamb chop guy, or well, I'm a this, or I'm a that, or some people actually like to eat the brains, and if that's you, that's okay. I'll share my portion with you, right? There are, because of who we are, and because of uh, 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 where we're at in our walk, there are certain things that just uh, mean a lot to us. I mean, it all means a lot to us, but just the the timing and what have you. This, this statement in Victory Day, it's always just been a Hall of Famer to me. He says, remember, he says, now remember, paragraph 178, now remember, God has counted you worthy when you have a test. God has counted you worthy when you have a test. Oh, I don't, I don't want to, t- you're worthy. God has counted you worthy when you have a test. He says, now don't fail to get this. When you have a trial or a test, it shows the grace of God, has found you, that you found favor with God. Well, oh, we look at it just the opposite sometimes, or the enemy wants us to, anyway. God believes that you will stand the test. God believes that. He says, "You remember he did the same thing by Job. Satan said, "Oh yeah, uh, I seen Job down there, uh, said he's not. God said he's, he's a perfect servant." Isn't it interesting how God, God points you out to the devil? (laughs) Have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my bride? Right? God said, he's a perfect servant. There's none in the earth like him. There's nobody like Job. God made sure that there was nobody like Job. He's a perfect man. He's my pride and joy. Satan said, oh, sure, uh-huh. He gets everything that he asked for. He's a spoiled little, ba- little baby. Let me have him just once. And said, I'll make him curse you to your very face. Said, I'll just make him curse you. And God said, he's in your hand. But notice God's still completely in control. God said, but don't you take his life. Right? Where's the parallel of that today? He, you are sealed until the day of your redemption. You can do whatever you want, but you can't. That's off limits. You can't touch that life. It's sealed. I'll make him curse you to your face. I'll, make, I'll just make him curse you. And God said, he's in your hands, but don't you take his life. See, God had confidence in Job. Amen. Now, Job needed to get confidence in God and have confidence in God in Job, right? Listen to this, this is, this is a, I needed to hear this at one particular time, it seemed like all hell was coming against me, it seemed like just, you know, uh, everything was, it didn't make sense, all the pressure that was coming, and I, I'd searched my heart, and I couldn't find where I'd done anything wrong, and yet everything's coming against me, and the Lord led me right to this quote, when it looks like everything has gone wrong, God is giving you a trial, He's got confidence in you. (laughs) He's got confidence in you. It's not a bad thing, friends. He don't have to baby you around. You're not a hotbed plant, a hybrid. You're a real Christian. God is giving you a test to see what you'll do about it. Amen. No wonder Peter said, these fiery trials, why, count it a joy. It's more precious to you than gold. And many times we hum and we ha, oh, well, if I just, well, that, well. That's something that God gives you to overcome, and he knows that you'll do it. Not he thinks, he's wondering. He knows that you'll do it. He's put his trust in you. Now, when we first hear that, we think, God's putting his trust in me. I don't have any trust in me, Right? but what he's trying to say here or what he is saying here God is putting his trust in you because God knows what he put in you and the you that he's putting his trust in came from him and we're just coming to the realization of who we really are that he's put his trust in you are part of him and he's put his trust in the part of him that's you oh come on friends <laughs> That's shouting material. That's dancing material. Oh, this is so insurmountable. I'll never get past it. God has confidence in you. Brother Bram said that uh, God fully equips a man or a person for the job. He said when God called Moses to do what he did, he said he fully equipped him for that job. Right? He does the same thing to his sons and daughters. So we need to get out of our mind that we are backsliders that will never amount to much. Just poor, pitiful, you know, frail excuses. You know, a lot of times what people call humility isn't humility, it's unbelief. Well, I'm just a worm, I'm just a no good, and I'll never amount to anything. That's unbelief. That's not humility. (laughs) When the accuser comes around and talks to you like that, you need to remind him it's God that justifies. Right? You need to tell him, as we said this morning, talk to the Word. (laughs) Because I'm not going to reason with you. I'm just going to point you to what the Word says. Your argument is with the Word. And you won't win that argument. You need to remind him that, yes, I was once worthy of death. Because of the mess, by the way, that you got me into... Uh, making me subject to the sin nature. But that guy that you're condemning tonight, he's already dead. And you can't, there, there's a something called double jeopardy. You can't be tried twice for the same crime. The case has already been closed. The verdict is it's God that justifies. Right? So devil... First of all, the guy you're talking about is dead, right? Oh, sure, you remember all that stuff because you talked him into, isn't that the way the devil is? You know, the devil will tell you, oh, come on, young people, come on, it isn't so bad to do this, and it, just a little bit of this, just a little bit, it isn't so bad, right? And, and uh, uh, we get weak, maybe, uh, uh, in our infancy, and maybe we give in to something, and then the very same guy that talked you into it, <laughs> I don't know what your cop car sounds like here. I don't know what the siren, so that probably sounded like a dead cat or something. I don't know. (laughs) Probably made you, gave you chills or something, right? Pull over. I can't believe you did that. And you call yourself a Christian. You know, he's totally, totally bypassing the fact that he told you it was okay. He talked you into it. Now he's saying, (laughs) you know, off to the slammer, puts you in jail, locks the gate, looks at you, there's no hope in you, right? The very one that tells you it's okay is now condemning you. He's not fair. And we, we need to remind him, yes, I, I, am, I was worthy of death because of the mess that you got us into. I was subject to sin nature, But the guy that you're condemning, the case is closed. He's already dead, and you cannot try a person twice for the same crime. I am not the man that you say that I am. You know, I've had to tell that. I had friends, uh, 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 childhood friends, when the Lord really got a hold of me. And then I got around them, and they started calling me a Bible thumper, and a Jesus this, and whatever, and I've had people actually tell me, I want the old Doug, right? And I've had to tell them, well, I'm sorry. I'm not him. It's a case of mistaken identity, right? I'm not that guy. I know that you want to do this and that and this and that that you used to do with Doug, but he's dead. We, we had a burial service already. Oh, it was sweet and sad and whatever, but he's dead, Right? You will never hang out with that guy again. Right? His story is over. He was guilty. He's dead. And now I'm a new creature. So I know that I may look like that guy, but I'm not that guy. I am actually an extraterrestrial. Right? I am actually an alien. Right, and I'm just, this is not, I'm just passing through here right now, right? I'm a pilgrim and a stranger. Friends, we are literally, not figuratively, literally new creatures. I I saw a little cartoon here the other day, and you know, maybe this won't do anything for you, but sometimes, uh, maybe I got a twisted sense of humor and something gets my funny bone, but a cop pulls over uh, uh, this person, and and it's a butterfly, right, and he's sitting behind the wheel, and the cop is looking at his ID card, and it's a picture of a caterpillar. He says, well, that's what I used to look like, right? Okay, good, I'm not the only one. When I I saw that, it, it struck me at a different level, because I used to be that little worm, that little maggot that was crawling on the ground, Right, walking, uh, crawling around in darkness, and, uh, you know, eating stuff that was uh, uh, dark matter, and worried about getting stepped on. Right, but one day that cocoon was wrapped around me, right, and one day I died out. Now, friends, to die out, you can't, you can't open up the cocoon and look out and see how things are going. You got to stay wrapped up. You got to let that word wrap you up completely cover you from head to toe and die out you got to rot amen just completely rot and then one day you begin to come out of that thing and you're a new creature right there may be some things that are kind of similar in the, you know the looks of the body or whatever but you are a new creature you got wings now you you got different fellowship you're no longer crawling on the ground. You're not, you're, your diet has changed. Your fellowship has changed. You are a new creature. You're beautiful. And you look at these wings and you say, cool, I, I didn't know I had these. Come on, little eagle. You're not a chicken in the barnyard. You're a heavenly creature. You are made to soar. We didn't fit in. You're a misfit. You should thank God for it. We, we spent time and time uh, feeling sorry for ourselves because we didn't fit in. Uh, I tried to be a biker. Anybody ever tried to do that? You don't have to admit it, but uh, guys riding motorcycles, I thought, well, maybe I, maybe I belong with them. I didn't. Guess what? They knew it, and I came to the realization. Talking to your pastor, I never was a jock, right? If I ever tried to play any kind of sports... I was like the last guy, all right, there's, all right, we got to take you, you know, we picked everybody, come on, Baker, get over here, maybe you can carry the water for us, or, right, so there goes that, right, you try to be this, you try to be that, and, and you, you're so frustrated, you get complexes, because you want to fit in, you want to belong. you want to have a sense of, you want to be accepted, and you get so frustrated because well I don't belong here and I'm not a doper and I'm not a, a biker and I'm not a jock and I'm not a whatever right but then one day you realize you do fit somewhere you're threaded to something else and then you rejoice you thank the Lord because if you could have fit somewhere else that's where you'd be it's the grace of God that you were a misfit Isn't that wonderful? We're not Christians just because we don't fit anywhere else. This is where we fit. And we don't just fit. We fit. We were made for this. I was made for this word. This word was made for me. I was made for Holy Ghost filled atmospheres. I was made to be a Holy Ghost filled believer. I was made to be an eternal being. I was made to be a son of God. I was made to be that. But I didn't know it. But now I do, and I'm glad I'm a misfit. Anybody else? You know, I don't know how this is going to be fulfilled. We could just kind of probe at some things, but just as long as we're on that. You know, there was a, there was a time when... Uh, you know, if you believed in, in all the things that God has, and you believe in a Holy Ghost-filled church, and I'm not talking about, you know, a, a denomination or anything. I'm just talking about the life. Christ being real. Christ being present. Christ being the center of your being. Christ doing what he said he was going to do, right? Yeah. A, a church that was born on the day of Pentecost. That kind of, that kind of church, right? Uh, there's a time when you're the oddball, Right? But there's going to come a time when uh, uh, they try to come in, remember the, uh, uh, they got to meet the, the uh, bridegroom at the door and, and some are thrown out because they don't have the wedding garment on, which Brother Brown said is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Everybody else that was in there did. What I'm trying to say is it's going to get to the place where you're the oddball if you don't have the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Right? Just hold on, recognize who you are, recognize what God is doing, but the oddball will be thrown out where there's weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. You won't be the oddball. Oh, hallelujah. Sin won't be able to come through the doors. And the reason why it won't be able to come through the doors is because you're you're not yielding to it, you're yielding to the Spirit of the Lord. So sin would be the odd thing coming in through the doors. Somebody say praise the Lord. Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, you just tell that devil, I'm born again of God, and God's seed remains in me. And are you telling me, devil, that something that came from God could be sin? (laughs) No way. I'm here to enforce the claims that were made at Calvary. I cast you down. I cast down all your reasoning against the word of God. And I take what the word declares about me over what you have to say. Amen. Amen. Come on, friends. Your accuser tells you God doesn't hear your prayers. There's no need in you going on. But your accuser is being cast down. He cannot lay charge against God's elect. But you need to be the one to confess this. It must come from your lips. You must be the one to take authority that has been given to you and and you don't belong to Satan. Amen? You don't want to serve the devil. You have been set free. He'll point out that we make mistakes. We know we make mistakes, but we don't want to. Right? The victory is yours tonight but you have to enforce it. I know this is simple, but we, it, we, we could use some reminding of it, right? God placed you where you are, and it is to mold you and to shape you by the pressures of this life. And he knows your end, as we looked at this morning, and he knows what it'll take to get you to that end. God's image of you tonight is not of a, a weak-kneed crybaby, <laughs> That has everything handed to him all the time. That's right. We might have started out with a pacifier in our mouth, and that's okay. And we might have had to be petted and burped for a season, <laughs> spoon-fed maybe. But at the end of your trials, we are mature. We are solid. We are unmoving. We are unflinching in the face of every devil. And we look out and we see those devils and say, and whom should I be afraid? Yeah. We are armed, we are dangerous with a razor sharp sword that'll defeat the devil any any place, and under any circumstance. We are schooled, we are trained, and we're ready to do battle against our foe. Friends, we're not gonna go crawling out of here and we're not gonna, oh Lord, you came just in time. I was hanging on by my fingernails. As we said this morning, he's gonna beg us to leave. He can't have his Eden while we're here. We're ruining it. (laughs) Blessed be the name of the Lord. Before there, there can be a millennium, there first has to be a restored people that are standing in their positions and they know how to rule and they know how to reign and they know how to take dominion over every power. There's no finishing school that we're gonna go to when we leave here and then go into the millennium. Right? We're getting our training now. Yes, amen. Right now, we are in the midst of one of the greatest battles ever fought. And as we looked at this morning, it's a battle that's in the mind. It's thoughts. Right? But our weapons of war are tried. They are true And we are casting down everything that's not the word. It's amazing how much, you know, if you just stop and think about it for a little bit, you examine every thought that comes through. It's amazing how much we allow the enemy to attack us with that's not in the word. And it's just a simple matter of examining everything, taking it to the word, running it through the filter of the word. (laughs) You'll defang a whole lot of the attacks of the enemy. So we have his word, and we are coming to the place where the prophet said we know what he wants done with it. That has to happen, right? We have the restored word. We're not waiting for some new tape. We have it, right? We have a vision of a rapture, and we are anointed by the, the living word to take this rapture. He will, bring, he will quicken that faith all at one time, and we will stop hindering the resurrection. Realize every other age has hindered the resurrection because He had something—a mark against them. Not this last age. It's God that justifies. The full word being restored. Oh, come on, friends. Whew. Let me just skip ahead here for just a moment. Oh my! Somebody say, "Praise the Lord." So as we said, as we sang before we read our opening scripture, we're getting closer and closer to our blending with our theophany, and then our body change. I was looking at this uh, a while back, and it was just amazing to me. Brother Ed brought it out just beautifully. It was just amazing to me to realize when Brother Branham went to the other side, God is going to show him some things that's going to help him when he comes back, right? But what was amazing is he got over there and he said, I want to see Jesus. And they said, you can't. Well, how did they know that? How is it that they knew more than he did? He's their messenger, right? Well, he's not in his theophany. They are, right? He said, I want to see Jesus. You can't. You got to be judged first, right? Right? And, friends, when you think about that, when you. Th- Brother Branham, when his, the back of his legs were blown off, he's 14 years old, he's in the hospital, he's dying, he's headed to hell. He comes out with his best defense I never did commit adultery. That was it, right? God help me, save me. I never did commit adultery, right? Now, We're on the other side of it. He's went beyond the curtain of time. And he's told, you have to be judged. So he comes up with his defense. He says, does Paul have to be judged? Right? Yeah. yeah. He says, I preached the Holy Ghost just like he did. I preached the same word. And they all said, we're resting on that. Well, how did they know to rest on that? Right? How did they? We're resting on that. Then they told him, You will be judged, and you made it. Not you will make it, you made it. You will be judged, and you made it. But you got to go back. Oh, I I don't want to go back. You got to go back, right? Because what's going to happen is you're going to go back, and then you're going to come back over here, and then we're going to go back with you and pick up bodies. Right? You got to go back. So there was this return ministry. (laughs) Go back into that body. You got to finish your race. (laughs) Right? But then you're going to come over here and then we're going to go back there with you. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That was, uh, that brought, as Brother Ed said, that brought such a rest to him, such a peace. It's what he needed to There was this big question mark over that, right? I don't want to be a spook. I don't want to be a vapor. There goes Brother Neville. Brother Neville, I'd shake your hand, but I don't have one. You don't have one. I don't want to be a spook. God took all that spookiness away. Oh, my. Hallelujah. Only the Word can inhabit that theophany. So we got to go on a diet. Would that be Okay. I mean, if the world's talking about diets, there must be something to it. Just not as you suppose, right? We can't bring anything with us that isn't that word. So everything else is being purged. Everything else is being burned out with a holy fire. I'm looking at people tonight, friends, that I believe are going to look death in the face. And they're going to say, not this time. You've done this over and over and over, but not this time. And if death is being brought under our feet, the feet of the body of Christ, then every other devil is also being brought under our feet. Because death is that premier devil that everybody fears, right? Not the believer, but, but that man is feared, that's the greatest. So if death is defeated, everything under it is defeated, So I want you to know tonight, friends, there's an army that's rising up to take that word, to take a full inheritance, and to slay devils on every side, overcoming, that's the amazing thing, overcoming in Satan's Eden. Right? Satan's made his challenge. God has answered that challenge. Revelation chapter 9 and Revelation chapter 10 are being played out right now. In Revelation chapter nine, we see an angel that's kicked out of heaven for the second time. He's kicked out, his name is Apollyon Lucifer. He's he's been given the keys to the bottomless pit. And he's put the keys in there, he's turned it, he's lifted the lid. Hell is spilling out into this dimension. All these demons that are, there were 200,000 demons that were released from the river Euphrates. Is that right? They were bound, but they were released. Brother Brown said it was the same demons in Nebuchadnezzar's day and Alexander the Great and all those other uh, times. Those demons are the very same ones. They've been released, and of course, they were released to drive Israel, natural Israel, into her homeland, right? Once that's done, now they are turned against spiritual Israel, the bride, to drive her into her homeland, which is the opening of the word, into our full inheritance. Is that right? So what I see there is Revelation 9, there's an angel that's kicked out of heaven, a mighty angel, kicked out of heaven. And then Revelation 10 starts like this. And I saw another mighty angel but this one's not kicked out. This one descends. That's right. Right? That's right? This one descends, has a rainbow over his head showing it's, it's the Christ, it could, the covenant angel, Amen. the theophanic Christ. It could only be Christ. Amen. Descending from heaven by choice with an open book in his hand. Right? Now, stay with me for just a moment. In the garden, as we said this morning, we had a perfect couple in a perfect garden with a perfect word, and Satan was able to get in there. Satan, uh, if I could dramatize it, please don't crucify me. If I if I sound like I'm taking liberty, but Satan saw the inheritance that Adam had. Say, uh, Adam Adam ruled from heavenly places. How many knows that? Yeah. That's man's position. Yeah. Right. Adam walked in the faith realm. I preached this one time in Ghana, and and I I could tell that I was just hitting rocks and this and that, and I wasn't getting through. It wasn't until the end of the service, and then one of the ministers comes up to me, and the, uh, the translator wasn't getting it. So that shows you sometimes you just need to make sure the translator's getting it maybe ahead of time. But the translator was hearing fifth realm, that's what, so they, we, we want to know what this fifth realm is. I didn't say fifth realm, I said faith realm. Adam walked in the faith realm. When Adam fell, he's still the preeminent creature on the earth. Man is still the dominant creature physically, right? He fell from the faith realm, his position in heavenly places. He walked by faith. Right. But he fell from that realm, and that's where we are being restored back to, right? Satan has been squatting in that realm as the prince of the power of the air, but he's not the prince of the power of the air. He's been squatting in man's position, right? But we're, we've come to take back our position, right? Adam wanted that position. Adam knew that there's no way that he could give get, uh, excuse me, Satan wanted that position, and Satan knew that there was no way that Adam was going to just give up that position. He he wasn't going to be deceived, right? So he looked and he saw the weaker vessel. God set it up that way, on purpose. And he also saw the serpent. And so he went to, you know, let's just imagine it was something on this order. He went to the serpent and he says, uh, uh, you know, I want to talk to this woman. And I want to use this woman as collateral, as a bargaining chip, because I want this man's position. Uh, serpent, aren't you, aren't you tired of, of uh, uh, Adam saying, uh, serpent, do this, and serpent, do that? Aren't you tired of getting bossed around? How would you like to have a better position than what you have right now? I'll tell you what, if you'll let me borrow your body, then uh, and let me speak through you to this woman, then when I get what I want, you and me are gonna go places together, right? He didn't tell him about losing his legs and arms. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And I believe that serpent said, okay, all right, you can use my body. And he borrowed the serpent's body and he told a lie to that woman and that woman believed the lie, right? And death was the result. Now here we are, 6,000 years later, and God takes a man that was a sinner, saved him by grace. Yes, he had a belly button. There are people that would argue that. Come on, Jesus had a belly button. Otherwise, he wasn't a man. You still need a kinsman, right? He would have been, I don't say this, you know this, we're not saying this, we, we hate to say these things, but they're true. He would have been, he would have smoked, he would have drank, he would have done this, he would have killed himself, right? But God kept him. And then God showed us the power of this blood. He saved him, he sanctified him, he filled him with the Holy Ghost. And then this other mighty angel came and said, "Uh, could I borrow your body? I've got another woman that I want to speak to. (laughs) And he came and spoke to this woman And told her the truth, right? And instead of her bringing forth a life of death, she's bringing forth a resurrection. Isn't that a beautiful? Isn't it? It's just laying right there, friends. Hallelujah. Two angels, two situations, but look at God has the last word. God has the last word in all of this. Two hundred thousand thousand demons. Well, if you just do the math on that 200,000,000, that's 200 million. Now, once again, don't, you know, I'm not making a doctrine or whatever, but just these thoughts come to me sometimes. And just humor me for a moment. If there's two, so these are demons that are in addition to the devils that were already here. These These are major demons, right? They're now released against the bride. So if we just count the 200 million demons and... I guess I'd have to change the math and public math is, so I'm just gonna back up. I calculated it with seven billion people on the earth. I think we're closer to eight billion now, right? So if there are, let's say there's seven billion people on the planet and it's one in a million. I'm not saying it is, but let's just, you know, just one in a million. Well, then that's 7,000 and there's 200 million of these demons and if all things are equal, which they aren't, And we all get the same number of devils coming at us. That's about 39,000 demons apiece. No wonder you got a headache. (laughs) Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? The battle is hot and heavy. Yes, hell is literally spilling out in this dimension. Right? But who's on the Lord's side? As Gehazi's eyes were open, there's more on our side than there is on that side. So this is just the dark side that we're looking at—200 million demons. But how many is on our side tonight? The Lord of Hosts is in the midst of the battle. The Captain of the Host is in the midst of the battle. The Angel of His Own Covenant, Christ—it can only be—is in the midst is in our midst tonight. Whom shall I fear? Yeah. Amen. Somebody say praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. So we are coming into our positions. We are taking our places, restored people by restored word for a purpose. We are an overcoming people in Satan's garden of science and intellect. <laughs> oh, Brother Doug, shh. If you keep talking like that, you're gonna make the devil mad. And then he's going to get after us. Newsflash. I want him to hear us. As we stand on this word. Because he cannot defeat the word. My confidence is not in me, it's in the word. In Christ the word. Oh, but how about this one? I was told this all my life. We're not supposed to tempt the devil. What chapter? What verse? You're not supposed to tempt the Lord thy God. Right? Right? And and we aren't picking a fight with the devil. Newsflash, we're in a fight with the devil. When you were born again into this kingdom, you were born into a battle. But we shall overcome Satan and his angels. Who's on the Lord's side tonight? The word has already declared it. And by the way, we're not looking for a fight. We're in one. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. The battle is already upon us. We can either sit down and put down our sword and refuse to fight and get stomped to death, <laughs> dragged around through every wicked, evil thing, or we can try to use our sword to just you know kind of parry the blows and kind of defend ourselves a little bit from our enemy. Spend our entire time defending ourselves. Yeah. Don't go that path, friends. You don't got to defend yourself from every lie and every, every attack. Of the, that's, oh, I'm sorry. I, I can preach a whole other sermon there. We, we were just speaking about that at, at home. When David met Goliath, Goliath said, come and meet me on my terms. Right? There's three, times, three types of warriors. I'll make this really quick. There's three types of warriors there are projectile throwers, there's cavalry, and there's infantry. Goliath is infantry. And Goliath is standing there and says, come to me, meet me on my ground, and I'm going to take your head off, right? And we look at it, we think, oh, that's so unfair. It wasn't unfair. Uh, It was unfair for Goliath. Goliath was outmatched to begin with because he was facing a projectile thrower. And when you're doing rock, scissors, paper, right, a projectile thrower will defeat an infantry guy any time, especially if he's been trained and trained and trained. We looked at that, uh, uh, Brother Ed, uh, uh, the sling that he was throwing, and we looked at how when, you, when they swung that thing around, it would swing around seven times a second. That's how fast it was. It would travel 100 feet per second. That's like a pellet gun, but with a lot of mass to it, right? And, and they could knock birds out of the air. I mean, this guy is defending his, his, his sheep. And he's already win against the lion. He's already win against the bear. Now there's just this big old fat guy out there that's partly blind. He's got a guy holding his shield. And he's saying, come meet me on my my ground. And David ran toward him, had no intention of meeting him on his terms, right, threw that rock and the guy went down. Then he went over and cut his head off. We don't have to meet the devil on his grounds. That's the point of it tonight, friends. Stay on the ground that God has placed you on. We are outmatched if we try to meet our enemy on his ground. Don't argue with him. Don't reason with him. Stay with the word. Yeah. Yeah. Don't meet him on his ground. You will be defeated and you'll get discouraged. Just don't do it. Yeah. He tries to call, you know, people will bring up vain disputations. Paul tells us, avoid that. Yeah. It leads to strife and malice and this and that and the other. Right? I was telling, I'm sorry, I'm trying to close. I was telling Brother Ed here, uh, uh, Sharon, uh, th- this whole disbelieve the sign nonsense, you know, what is the theme of our message? Only, right, not only disbelieve. We were already unbelievers, <laughs> right? We're, we're, we're the most cynical people on the planet. Nobody's gonna fool us, right? But our charge is to only believe, right? I remember the first time I, Brother Branham was talking about, uh, uh, he, he saw this billboard and it's, you know, talking about this soap that you buy for the dishwasher and, You put all these dirty dishes in, then you put the soap in, and, you know, uh, turn it on, and then when it's done, you pull out all these clean dishes. And he said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to be a hero with my wife, you know. And he went and bought it. Now, forgive me, but this was my thinking. I thought, why would you believe that, Brother Branham? Right? But as I'm maturing more and more, you were actually created to believe. Right? Right? So you're called naive and you're called foolish and this and that if you believe, but you were created to believe. And Satan is doing everything he can to cause us to doubt. So Brother Random, why shouldn't he believe it? They said it was true. Right? Brother Random said, everybody starts out up here in my book. He says, now if they want to bring themselves down, that's up to them. Right? So if somebody's word is no good, that's on them. But you're not a fool for wanting to believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Our problem is there's so much uh, there's so much evil, there's so much lies and deceit and all that that we tend to doubt. Right. Yeah. Well, how's that going to help us to believe? Yeah. Right? Our only, our only mission is to believe. Yeah. We don't have to make the word of God happen. Right. Yeah. We need to believe it. The power's in the Word. Yeah. We need to be the betting ground. Faith, yeah. the betting ground. The Word will do what it was said to do. Yeah. Only believe. Yeah. But no, we've got to focus on the disbelief. Friends, there's a mixed multitude. I'm sorry, I'm not trying I'm not picking on anybody, but there was a mixed multitude in the first exodus, the second exodus, that has to be in the third. There are people, Jesus talked about the gospel in that. The, one of the seven parables in Matthew 13 that was cast out and... All kinds of things got pulled in and some trout. (laughs) Right, and what you were fishing for. Brother Branham uses these big, classy, eloquent words, you know. He says, you pull it in and you get eels and squids and crabs and (laughs) hell (laughs) divers. Anybody ever heard that? I had to go look that up. I'm like, that doesn't sound good. What's a hell diver? You know, whatever it is, I don't want to be a hell (laughs) diver. It's a bird that dives into the water and it goes real deep to go down to, you know, towards the bottom to get something. So it looks like it's diving to hell. So that's a hell diver. I don't want to be a hell diver. <laughs> but Brother Brown said they, they just all crawl back to where they came from. You weren't after them, you were after the fish. And of course Jesus is telling his disciples because they're gonna go out and cast the net out and he doesn't want them to be surprised when he gets some piranhas and snapping turtles and, as well as... Some fish, right? So we know that that's gonna happen. We're not, we're not trying to point out who's the this and who's the that, but we just know that it's gonna happen, right? It, it, it's prophesied. Somebody's gonna play these different parts, right? So when this whole disbelieve the sign came out, it's, it's not even the right argument. So the way I presented it to the church is, what if... You know, there's a little town called Lordsburg that's about 100 miles from Tucson. Get on Interstate 10, head right out east. Eventually, you'll end up in Lordsburg. So, let's say I'm going to Lordsburg. I get on the freeway. It says 100 miles to Lordsburg. Then I come along. There's another sign that says 50 miles to Lordsburg, then 20 miles. Next thing you know, I'm in Lordsburg. Okay, I've been there now for 30 years, And now somebody comes along and says, there's something wrong with that sign. You're an idiot. I'm here. It's not the right argument. I'm here. Duh. Oh, well, there was something wrong with the sign. He was told, go east, and the book would come open. They got enough sense not to argue that. They're not even... They're arguing about the sign, but the sign led you to a voice, and you've heard the voice. It's too late to argue about a sign. It's not even the right argument. If we were to put it in a, well, we only have one man's word for it. Okay, how do we know that there wasn't an Adam and Steve instead of an Adam and Eve? One man told us. His name was Moses. How do we know that God spoke to Moses in a a burning bush and the bush didn't burn up? One man told us. All we, Life Magazine wasn't there? We don't have pictures? Or how about this? How do we know that the bush wasn't burning before he got there? You know what my answer is? I don't care. I, I just don't care. How do we know that it wasn't burning a week later? I still don't care. All I know is what he said happened when he was there and what the Lord told him to go do and he went and did it and God fulfilled the word. Don't even go there. It's such a lame argument. It's the voice of the sign. Once you've heard the voice, nobody can, nobody can take that from you, friends. And I'm truly sorry that others can't hear that voice, right? But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to avoid, don't, don't, don't get pulled onto Goliath's territory. Don't feel like, well, I've got to find a clipping somewhere, or I've got to find this or that, or Brother Bram's memory about this or that. That's the other thing. Memory isn't perfect. Memory fades, right? You're not trying to lie. Your memory just changes Your brain is an organ. Things change. Right? Oh. Don't get pulled onto Goliath's territory. Amen? You've heard the voice. That voice is not misleading you. That voice is going to lead you into a rapture. (laughs) Hallelujah. And besides that, what even compares? I had the the organizational religion approach. I'm really trying to pull over. I I was raised as a Baptist. I'm not thrown off on Baptists. I was baptized when I was six. We served the Lord. We memorized scripture growing up. I knew about God. I believed that God was real. But I knew I didn't know him personally. And guess what? I knew I didn't know anybody else that knew him personally either. And they were okay with it, as far as I could tell. But I wasn't. I wanted to know the God of the Bible. And, and I would have these thoughts, uh, thoughts that, you know, how come, how come I couldn't live in the Bible days? You know, it, why couldn't I have lived in, you know, when David and Goliath's day? I, I, would have, I would have ran with David. I would have Amen, him. Why couldn't I have been in Noah's day? I think I would have gotten the ark. You would have. What you do today will show what you would have done back then. Right? Why did I have to be in this dead hour when God is on his throne somewhere out in unobtainium, some other planet somewhere? I mean, excuse me, I'm, I'm not saying this about God. This is the picture that was presented to me. Meanwhile, the devil's everywhere. He's on the rampage, and we see all of his works. But where's God? And I... I I was like Gideon. Well, if God's with us, then where's the miracles? I wasn't looking for a a certain, I just wanted to know him. Right? I wanted to know him personally. I also knew that I didn't have that life that was spoken of, that overcoming life. Right? I knew that. And I wasn't going to pretend. And I got to the place where I was disillusioned. I got to the place where I actually didn't want to to go on uh, where I was just disillusioned with everything and I cried out to the Lord. And I said, you know, actually, let me back up for just a second. When I was in seventh grade, I took my Bible out in the woods and I was reading the book of Revelation and I'm saying, God, if this is in your word, shouldn't somebody understand it? Would you explain this to me? I left the woods the same way I went in, and the reason why is because God has a provided way, and that wasn't his provided way. It had to come through a certain channel, right? So I'm glad that he didn't grant my wish because he'd have to break his word, but I was frustrated. I wanted to know, right? So I got to the place where I got desperate, and I started crying out to the Lord, and I said, why can't you just make yourself real to me? I wanna know whether I'm gonna make it or not. I wanna know, I've been on these roller coasters up and down and up and down, and the, the depths get deeper each time. I wanna know that I'm yours and you're gonna keep me. I want this joy that you're speaking of. I want this peace. I don't want religion, I want you, Yeah. right? Amen. And I, I, I got desperate and I cried out, and I said, God, help me, help me, Lord, forgive me, but I said to the Lord, I'm going to give this one last try, right? I'm going to seek you with everything that's in me, but if I can't find you, I'm done. I never want to try this again, because I don't want to be on a religious roller coaster. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a hypocrite. The worst place to be is in that position. Because you go to church, you're condemned. You go out in the world with your buddies, you're condemned. You don't fit either way. Right? So I just wanted to settle it. That I'm being told, you know, you're a fanatic, and you're this and that and the other. You're, you're wanting, you know, God's got to do something special for you. Right? Because you're, you're some special case. No, I was just honest enough to believe that, to know that I don't know him personally. I believe that he's real. I believe I got to face him, but I don't. I know him like a servant, not a son. <laughs> right? So I, 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 I began to seek, and it wasn't long before this message came across my path. Right? God heard my cry. God heard my prayer. The very first, uh, so I I read the Church Age book first. That was, uh, that was something that was given to me. And if you don't know the spirit that something is written in, you're going to put a spirit to it because you don't know, right? So I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, well, it, this sounds kind of hard. The way that Brother Brown is putting some of these things, it sounds kind of hard. I'm not being critical, but... You know, I'm hearing him yelling, right? But it's because I don't know the Spirit. I'm not hearing the voice, right? So I I didn't find fault with, and it was answering a lot of questions, but I I didn't know what to do with that. And somebody said, well, why don't you just listen to one of the messages? And I said, well, what should I listen to? Well, how about how the angel came to me in my commission, a life story and way of a true prophet. Okay, so... Uh, I got those tapes and I started listening. And I used to say my world got turned upside down, but it got turned right side up because I'm hearing him give his testimony. And I don't know what a prophet is according to how we've been taught. You know, that's something in the Old Testament or whatever. All I knew was that this guy believed what he was saying, right. and that he was the real deal, and that he was trying to point me to somebody. He was trying to point me to the one that I was looking for. I wasn't looking for a Baptist Jesus or a Methodist Jesus or a Presbyterian. I wanted the Jesus of the Bible. And that's who he wanted to point me to. And he did. And I could just, I could go on and on and on, friends. But that's what turn things around and then I heard, I, I started just devouring the messages. I, 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 I started receiving boxes of tapes. I was going to tr- uh, a, a college at the time trying to finish my, my uh, training and I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm just crying all the time because things are, I'm getting questions answered that I'd had my whole Christian walk. Right? How could he be three gods when the Old Testament says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. How can he be three? Well, I I guess I shouldn't be thinking those thoughts, but it don't make sense. Why is it that everything that we pray is in Jesus' name until we get baptized? Why is it that when I got married, uh, 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 the the, the, the minister wanted to marry us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, but when we pray for our food, it's in the name of Jesus, Right? right? Why would somebody send somebody else to die for me? Wouldn't the greatest thing be for him to die for me himself? I know you shouldn't have these kind of crazy thoughts, right? Why, why, if God did all of this in the Old Testament and the New Testament, why isn't He doing it now? That's right? right? That's right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I, friends, just like a floodgate. That's right. Then I'm listening to the message, the token. And I'm finding out what was missing. We weren't told about the Holy Ghost. We were told, you know, when you get saved, you're filled with the Spirit. And I'm thinking, okay, well, how could this? My Sunday school teacher would put out a cigarette and come in and teach Sunday school. So it's like, okay, so you just live the same way that you used to live. And you're filled with the Spirit. It just didn't make sense to me. Right? I wanted something to change me. So I'm listening to these messages and then I come across the message, the token. Brother Brandon said, most important message. I've been waiting to bring this. And then, you've heard it, you know, you know the message. And then he says, whatever you do, don't miss that life. Right? I got thirsting for, for that life. I knew that that's what was missing, right? And I sought and I sought. I won't, I won't spend any more time. I sought and then finally... When I, the thing is, just like with healing, you'll get healed when you believe that you'll get healed. You have to believe in healing. That's right. And then you'll get healed. He made you a promise that he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. You gotta believe that. Amen. Right? While you're struggling and straining, you, and you, then you're saying to yourself, why can't I? Why can't I get the Holy Ghost? Well, he never said you couldn't. You did. In your own mouth, you don't even realize you're doing it. Why can't I? Well, you just said you couldn't. He didn't say that. When it, when it drops, it, the revelation of Jesus Christ to you personally, when it drops in you that he's going to fulfill his word, a peace comes and then he fulfills his word. And you're not worried about, well, you can do it tonight, tomorrow night, next week. I don't care. My struggle's over because you're going to do it. And he does it. Amen. Amen. I'm here to tell you, I'm a witness tonight. I'm here to tell you, there's a life changing experience. I'm speaking to the young people, anybody else. I'm sorry for waiting so long to get to this point. We can't do this on our own. And he's here. And he's still doing what he said he was good. I'm not saying, friends, everybody. The Baptists want to, everybody automatically, well, you're, you're just trying to lead us back to Pentecost organization. I didn't say anything about a, 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 I didn't say anything about what you need to know is that you know. He needs to be real to you. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ to you personally. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will change you. Look at Peter. Peter was jealous, Peter lied, Peter didn't believe that he would, he was earnest. We had Judas on the other hand, as far as I'm concerned, in my own view, what Peter did was worse than Judas, but that's just my own thinking, right? If they would have repented, what, what Peter, you know, he denied the Lord three times, cursed, and actually tried to get him to not go to the cross, Right? But Jesus prayed for him. But he didn't pray for Judas. Right? And when it came down to it, Judas bottomed, or or Peter bottomed out, and then, you know, when Peter walked on the water, he didn't do that to walk on the water. He was jealous of John. And he said, Lord, bid me to walk on the water. And there was all these arguments about who's gonna be in charge and this and that and the other. Right? But there was a change that took place. Peter bottomed out, Died out, and then he received the promise. Judas didn't believe. And Judas went and hung himself. Right? Peter died out. Judas showed him his colors at Pentecost. Peter died out. And after Pentecost, we never hear about him lying. We never hear about him denying the Lord. Something changed. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is not power to cast out devils. They had that. It's not power to preach. They had that. Right? It's power to overcome. <laughs> it's a life. It's, a, it, it's, it's the life of Christ in the church. Is that okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. I've never been the same. He will not lose me. That's my confidence. He will not lose me. My confidence, when you say this, people say, oh, you're putting your confidence in yourself. No. No my all my confidence is in him if i could if i could put it to you this way and i am pulling over if i could put it to you this way it just kind of came to me one time i was standing over at the edge of the grand canyon and i just don't like heights right some of us are just made that way i don't like heights i can't explain to you why i jumped out of a perfectly good airplane when i was 40 but I guess I wanted to do something that I would remember. I'll remember that my whole life. My wife was in the plane with me, along with four other people. And I, before I jumped out of that plane, I said, Lord, if there's anything I haven't made right, now would be a good time to let me know. I was scared to death. Then you gotta get out the, you step out the door and you got to hold on to the wing and then you're supposed to put one foot on the wheel and another foot somewhere else and you're like, well, is it this foot or that foot? Or... And you look over at the jump master and he's telling you jump or something you're like, is that what he's saying? Or... <laughs> There's no greater feeling in the world than when you let go and after the first few seconds that shoot opens up. Oh, it's a great feeling. It's wonderful. Anyway, when I stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and I look down there, and depending on where you're at, it's either you know, 5,000, 7,000 feet from the top of the rim down to the bottom. To me, it's hopeless. When I look at that, it just, I'm just overwhelmed with hopelessness because I know that if I were to step off the edge, that's the end, right? There's no hope. It, it's just a, an open hole in the ground and your life is over. But to die out and to get filled with his spirit, you gotta be willing to stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon, reach into your and grab your soul, put it out there and say, I'm gonna let go. And Lord, if you don't catch me, I'm gone. How many knows that? I'm letting go. I can't I can't. Live this life. I don't want to live this life. I need you. So I'm going to take a chance. All I know is I don't want to go on this way, but you said. And so I'm going to take your, your word. You take your soul. I'm not saying you're literally doing this, but it's like this. And you release it, and guess what? He catches you. And when he catches you, you know that your life is no longer in your hands. It's in his hands. And there's no better place to be, no safer. You are hid in his. He's got you in his hand. All fear is gone. Now he's got control of your life. I mean, he knows what I'm talking about. That, that, the only peace there is in this world is that. The only rest there is, is knowing that you're safely in his hand. To me, it's a tragedy. A tragedy to be living in this hour and for people to miss that life. That's right. to, to exchange it for religion or this doctrine or fussing here and fussing there, the theme is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. And he wants to be real to every one of us. It's not just special for some of us. He wants to make himself real to every one of us. That's right. We're all different. He'll make himself known to you in your own way, but you'll know that you know. How many knows that's true? Blessed be his wonderful name. Let us stand. Hallelujah. I'm sorry for chopping this all up. but You can now enforce the claims because you know that you have the authority. And you know that you have the life. And you know that he'll be with you. When we first started to Ministry in, in Tucson. We conferred with Brother Perry. Told him what was on our heart. We started a prison ministry where we were out there two days a week. I was working full time, but I'd go out on Tuesday and Thursday night at the prison. Wednesday night we'd have a we we had a little mission that we set up downtown, and uh, we were just trying to get down where the people are at, ministering to the people. We had a Wednesday night service. So Tuesday, Thursday, I went to the prison. Friday night, we'd have a prayer meeting. Saturday night, we'd go down into downtown Tucson, and I'd preach from the street corner. Uh, I didn't have any uh, kind of, you know, instruction in that. I would literally just open up my Bible, and I would literally, and I knew, I felt like the Lord was leading me to do that, right? And if the Lord wasn't with me, I didn't want to be there. But either he's leading you or he's not, right? right and so i'm take i'm trusting him and i know that i'm supposed to be there and i would just i would just start taking a text and the anointing would come and and i was just i was i was just surprised that you know the attention span of people is so short these days you got just a, a few moments to get their attention right and so i was trying to get the people's attention and uh, uh, i think that that early part was more for me right. than for anything else because he proved that he was with me. He proved it time and time again. There was, let me just give you one example real quick because I told you I was going to pull over. There, there was this, uh, there, would, there would be people that would spit, that would yell, that would whatever. There would be other people, praise the Lord, that's a good thing that you're doing. This guy, he was maybe 200 and something pounds, he was a Native American. Six foot something or other, and he was threatening to come over and take my Bible, and he was trying to break up what was going on on the street corner. And another brother got wind of that and and uh, told him, "Well, God's not going to let you do that." And then that brother came over and told me, and I'm like, "Well, you know, uh, if if that guy's able to do that, then God's not with me. And if he's not with me, I shouldn't be down here. But I believe he is, right? And I'm going to just take him at his word, right?" So I just continued on. This guy came barreling over towards me. He got he got within a couple of feet, and it is like he hit a glass wall. And He went flat down on his face, landed on the concrete, <laughs> right. And I went over to him and I turned him over and I'm trying to help him. And his his eyes are filled with fear. And he says to me, "He says you're a prophet." And I said, "No, no." I, I'm a preacher, so he had some religious background, evidently you're a prophet, and I said, no, no, I'm not he says you are you're like jacob you're you're stubborn you know and i said, no, no i'm just and so I tried to get him to pray the sinner's prayer. he started bawling and he was all broken up, but he wouldn't do it he just he he couldn't let go he was he was bound he wasn't able to let go of it. It, it, it was a sad thing. But, but God was there with us. Right. And friends, he said that he would be with you. <laughs> and we had many, many different experiences. And it was training us for the work that God had ahead of us. Right? My worst day as a, as a believer is better than my best day before I was a believer. And I, I say that with all sincerity. Amen. And I want, I want the young people, you know, I don't know where you're at. Maybe we're all filled with the Holy Ghost here tonight, and that'd be wonderful. But if we're still in the process, if we're along the way, God has something for you. It isn't just special for him to fill me with the Holy Ghost, or Brother Ed with the Holy Ghost. It's for all of us. For as many as our Lord God should call. Right? Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, I pray that you take this chopped up message here tonight. Lord, may it find its resting place. Forgive us, Lord, for maybe going different directions, but we're just trying to follow your unction here tonight, Lord. And Many times when when you're working in that regard, our human mind can't see maybe the direction or the pattern, but afterwards we find out It looks different maybe from the other side, and you're dealing with hearts, and we're trusting in that tonight, Lord. We're trusting that there's some things that were said that would be a help to your people here tonight. We believe these these are your children. We believe, Lord, they're the purchase of your blood, and Lord, it's been a privilege to, to stand before them and to, Lord, to speak your word and to try to encourage one another. We're on the same side, we're on the same team and we have the same goal and we serve the same God and we're, we're under the same banner. We, we've heard the same message and we have the same goal. And you are, you are the Lord of all of this. Lord, I thank you tonight for including me in your great plan. There was a time when I, I didn't feel like I fit anywhere. There was a time when I felt like I was just a reject, a misfit. There was a time when I... I felt bad that I was called to live in this quote-unquote dead hour. But Lord, I'm ashamed. Of course, I didn't know it, and I'm thankful that you're, you're such a merciful God. But Lord, I realize that not only is that not true, but Lord, you, you called me to live in one of the greatest times. And this isn't a dead hour. Lord, this is a time when tremendous things are taking place. This is a time when we can't lose. This is an overcoming time, an overcoming hour. This is the finishing of redemption for the Gentiles. This is you finishing coming to the place where you're going to do the claiming work next. You're going to come and take what you've purchased to be with you and the devil is going to get the biggest black eye and He's gonna to be told to sit down and shut up and about three and a half years after that, as we rule and reign in a millennial reign. And Lord, instead of there being a, an anointing to that's across the world today where a man will try to live right, but he can't do it on his own. In the millennium, there, there will be people that want to sin. But a different anointing will be there and they won't be able to do it. Satan will be bound by a chain of circumstances. The situation will be flipped. The atmosphere will be a holy atmosphere. And people will desire to live wrong and won't be able to do it. We know that some crazy reason they'll come against you and your bride at the end of the millennium after they've seen the supernatural for and the power, just showing the, the craziness of, of the devil's approach, and he will be defeated. Of course, we know that. But Lord, that's on the other side. Those things are yet lay ahead of us. What matters to us tonight, Lord, is, is each and every one of us finding our place, finding our position, and Lord, I, I just pray, myself included here tonight, Lord, I want to take it up a, another notch. I, I, I just, there's something in me that just wants more and more. I want that more maturity. I want to, I want to be more uh, 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 yielded to you, Lord, so that you can do what it is that you plan to do. I want to, I want to be quick to believe. I want to be quick to take you at your word. I want it to become unconscious. You told your prophet, your prophet told us that it would get to the place where that faith would just be unconscious. We'd do it without even, without even having to intellectually sort through it. We'd just do it because that's who and what we are and that's what's with, w- within us. Lord, I, I know that that's a process that we all have to go through. And Lord, that's a that's a. <laughs> That's a maturity. That's the the end product. So we all have to go through that process. Lord, I just, I want to bring glory to your name. I want your will to be done. Not my will, but your will. I want your full word to be performed and manifested in my life. And Lord, I'm just sure tonight that I'm amongst them. A body of believers that have that very same desire, that very same burden, Lord. Because we're of the same spirit, we're of the same body, we're of the same word, the same baptism, the same Holy Ghost, the same, the same Christ of all the ages leading us. We're listening to the same voice. I'm so thankful tonight to know that I can recognize your voice. You said your sheep would know your voice and another they would not follow. Yeah, Lord, I, I'm just so privileged to be numbered amongst others that, that are hearing that very same voice. and So it doesn't matter what all these other voices are saying. We understand that the devil's going about as a roaring lion, that he doesn't have much more time, and he's in a panic, and that he's a loser, that he's lost, and that we're on the winning side. Lord, each of us are at a different stage in our walk. Some of us maybe are are just starting out. Some are maybe in the middle somewhere, and some of us are uh, coming to full maturity. Wherever we're at, Lord, our desire tonight is to, even if it's just one little step, we want to take another step towards you, Lord. Father, we know that whatever we give, you'll take. And our desire, Lord, is for you to have preeminence. Thank you so much, Lord, for our, our dear pastor and his wife and his church, Lord, each and every one, all the those that have a a, a, a a position here, but Lord, we all have a part in the body. I pray that your blessings be upon each and every one, Lord and Father. We we our hearts go out to this next generation. We know, Lord, that that if you would tarry, there is another generation that is going to carry this banner, and Lord, we want them to be fully equipped and, and prepared for the the battle that's that's before them and the race that they have to run and so Lord we just unite our prayers together, we unite our faith together Lord as a body and Lord asking to, for you to undertake for each and every one and Lord for each and every one to reach out and take you at your word Lord and believe that there's There's greater and greater things in their future, because we surely know that there is. I ask, Lord, that your blessings be upon each and every one. We thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord. Father, we pray for those that were not able to make it here tonight, and we know that uh, uh, there's uh, difficulties, and we just ask, Lord, that you bless them, that you minister to them, and Father, that you would receive honor and glory in all that is said and all that is done. Lord, if we don't meet again on this side, we, we, we know that it'd just be a short while and we'll, we'll meet in that great meeting in the air. Father, we're, just, uh, 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 we're in great expectation, but we, we want to finish our race. We want to run it well. And Lord, we want to hear those words as we were singing this morning, as the song leader was leading, we want to hear, well done, my faithful, good and faithful servant. We want to hear those words, music to our ears, Lord. Father, may you receive all honor and glory. We love you and we thank you as we commit ourselves into your hands. In the lovely name of, the, uh, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen and amen. God bless you. Hallelujah.
0: Lead me Lord and I will follow Lead me Lord and I